Once again, it's I Don't Get It, the Pop Culture Get Off My Lawn cast, featuring the open-minded musings of two mid-40s trapped hermetic curmudgeons staring on the prospect of entertainment irrelevance and possibly never seeing actual sunlight again. I am your co-host, Bill Scurry, of being inside my house for about 17 years now. <laughs> I am the prisoner of Zenda. I am the Count of Monte Cristo. I am in the cask of Amontillado. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host. I am the man in the iron mask. <laughs> I am Noah Tarno. I'm Noah Tarno of The Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show Spectacular. It is indeed a rainy day here in San Francisco. And I'm actually kind of happy about that, Bill, because today I have not left my apartment in about two days. But today I've decided I am going grocery shopping with my new face mask made from a pair of boxer briefs. Although... I've ordered some masks from like a little studio that I'm actually going to go get in the car and go pick them up. You know, supporting local business is important now. But yeah, I'm glad it's raining because I hope that'll drive people away from the supermarket. I, I haven't been shopping in a couple weeks. And certainly since things have intensified, since the mask order came down. With such bold assurance from our leader, by the way. Eh, yeah. you can do it. I'm not going to. By the way, if you are offended by people espousing political views like ours, turn it off now. You all we don't know want the, you to listen. You know we don't care now. if you don't listen. I had the opposite problem today. Yeah, I, actually, I needed to go shopping. Your typical Dutch kitchen and your Dutch coffer is smaller than the American coffer just because of the real estate. So you carry less on hand and you do it more often. So I'd say now, since uh, since the Holocaust here began— that we are come um, on come on you in, in amsterdam of all places you're gonna call this the holocaust oh, there, there are bodies Dude, in the street on. you should see the canals are stop choked. stop choked don't joke people. about that people might believe it i have to go I'd, I'd say a week in between shoppings now is is what we get away with we used to do probably probably every 33 or four days we've got just chip it away pick up a little run here or there but we're trying to put like a good seven to eight days in between you know to, to minimize our risk now here's the other thing you have a nice sun, uh, you have a rainy day we had this is today uh we're recording this on um, sunday april 5 it is the nicest day of the year thus far in the netherlands it is a 64 degree day sunshine not a cloud in the sky you have to understand it rained here from january straight through to the beginning of march and since we been locked in the weather has been stellar it is uncanny the kind of show that mother nature is putting on in terms of the temperature clear conditions and it's teasing you it's it's playing this game of just you know getting daring you to go outside daring you to go to the beach to go to the parks so this was like a big test i think this weekend for the city of saying well i mean you know everyone here has been doing all the right things and they've successfully flattened the curve as much as early diagnostics have said in terms of the numbers you know the metro areas are easier to get a hold of and i think people here first of all they conform to science and authority a little less suspiciously than they do back in the you know in the united states no americans don't conform to authority S stay with me here stay with me here so yes uh i think we're having a, a different different uh, situation in both of our cities at the moment anyone who doesn't know the theme of the show is we are both nearing 45 years of old and we look at something that young people are into or is hot right now and try to make sense of it and talk about it and sample it and all that. And a few weeks ago, we, you know, wanted to make an effort that we would try during this crisis to talk about things that were somehow relevant to our moment. So we started with um, Corona stupidity, the idea that young people are, are being more reckless 
in this day and age with what's going on. And then last week we talked about Zoom, the video conferencing platform that has now become a staff of life for businesses everywhere, including my own. And this week we thought we were gonna depart from that. We were gonna talk about something that isn't directly relevant to what's going on. But in sampling this, I think we both, correct me if I'm wrong, we both came to the conclusion that it is quite relevant. Yeah, it's uncanny and it's completely unintended that it would somehow work this way. But there, yeah, this, right. this wraps around a lot in a way that nobody could have possibly predicted. It tells a story of the day and age in which we live in. And these are heightened days, even in those days. So yeah, in, in particular, there is a very pointed narrative that, that is being developed by our topic this week, which is, of course, Tiger King. Um, what is it? Madness and murder in... in Murder, mayhem, and madness. Yes. Tiger King colon, murder, mayhem, and madness. So I'm going to, at the risk of just fatiguing what's obvious that everybody already knows, I will give you a brief description here. Tiger King is a Netflix series we have all been forced to watch by the One World government while locked <laughs> in our houses, awaiting the sweet kiss of death to visit our door. <laughs> It is a seven-part story about an Oklahoma eccentric. I'm, I use that very, very charitably. Um, this guy calls himself <laughs> Joe Exotic. He's an amateur zookeeper, but a professional pie hole who is currently serving a 20-year sentence or thereabouts for conspiracy to commit murder uh, between the states of Oklahoma and Florida. So the documentarians, this team, I don't know what they're, I, I've never heard of them before. As far as, and, they have, and they actually have a thin resume. It's this, this guy named Eric Good and this woman named Rebecca Chaiklin. Um, they apparently were sitting on this five years ago and said, oh, let's, let's camp yeah. out. Let's make friends with this guy. I'm sure we're going to turn up a slice of life kind of thing, maybe an Errol Morris yeah. type thing. But what they got was this weird, twisty, turny, you know, small intestine of a story that just exploded into something they couldn't possibly imagine. I think it's a little bit like what um, uh, the, the the Robert Durst documentary turned out to be, where, yeah. you know, it started oh. it started out as one thing, and then it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe we're here for what this thing became. It's a neat, did, you know. Did you, have you ever seen Capturing the Freedmans? Yeah, another thing, too. Yeah, that's Jarecki. Yeah, it was supposed is, to be about party clowns, and it became about, you know, sexual abuse. It was and insane. That's, and that's the same guy. Jarecki did both of those. That's the thing. He had a, he had a, a tendency to be oh, in the really? right place. Oh, okay. really? Yeah, believe it or not. So, yeah, yeah. these two people— I, I didn't see the Durst thing, so there you go. These two people did this thing where they, five years ago, they went to rural Oklahoma to go to this— Apparently, I did not know this, but Facebook told me, and Twitter, too, people knew about this guy. He was, I say, a local yeah, eccentric— I, I had heard of him. I had heard of him. I had not. People who live yeah. in the center of the country and like had either migrated to one of the two coasts came back with stories of like, yeah, we made a pilgrimage to that guy in the, you know, in the late 90s or the early 2000s. We went to that guy's tiger petting zoo or whatever. And so he had a reputation that said, oh, they were kind of waiting for something weird to happen. They just didn't know it was going to turn into this. Um, <laughs> so I guess five years ago, the documentary team went out there and said, well, we'll find something. This is it's, Who knows if it's a slice of life, it's a weirdness, maybe it's a grotesque. It's, or it could be all those things. And it just turned out into this fucking weird, twisty, turny murder thing at the end with all these strange, unsavory characters and, and you know, just weird American psychology laid bare to the point where I, everyone has an opinion on this thing. Everyone binged it. I think the numbers for Netflix were, were probably huge, even though they don't, they don't release them. And you could not have planned a better coincidence of everyone being trapped in their homes and there being something as buzzy yeah. And, and again, almost communicable as this thing has turned out to be. I mean, do you it is the coronavirus of documentaries. Well, I mean, we talked about and Zoom. it's going to kill us all. We talked about Zoom being 
a winner almost. And the two documentarians, Chaiklin and Eric Good, are they're kind of the yeah. winners. They're going to come out of this ahead. Yeah. They got this, you know, who knows what the next thing is, but it's like they would have just had another bit of Netflix content. And then the last three weeks happened, and now they are a national sensation, at least in the United States. So, yeah, um, yeah with that, I, I want to ask Noah what he thought of this show, how much of it you watched, what you got out of it, and yeah. uh, what it left you with. So I am, I admit of seven episodes, I am only four episodes in, although I've read enough online that uh, some of the later stuff has been spoiled for me, which is okay. You know, it's fine. Um, I'm kind of trading off between this and the new season of Ozark. I love Ozark, but that's actually relevant to what I'm going to say about this. Um, so I think this is pretty good. You know, I'm not crazy about it. I, I, I like Ozark better. Um, I think it's pretty good. It's it's well told. I mean, these characters are just so unusual and idiosyncratic that it's hard not to have some fascination with them in the sort of freak show sense. And I I think the twists and turns are 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 adequately satisfying, you know. Uh, and you know, it's very much the the serial documentary kind of technique where like the end of every episode, the last two minutes, there's some big twist, but then. It turned out Carol might have killed her husband. You know, credits roll. And then the next episode's all about, did Carol kill her husband? That was episode three, I believe. Uh, but here's why I don't love this. Um, is because I'm just so fucking sick of awful people. <laughs> and especially now. And we, we talked about this before we, we started recording. There's nobody likable on the show. I take that back. There are some people who are likable but even those people you don't want to spend time with you don't think they're good people you know rick we talked about rick kirkham the um the producer he used to work for bill o'reilly and then he produced uh he was doing a documentary about joe years ago and producing his web series he seems like a, a some kind of jackass but he at least seems interesting well joe seems interesting as awful as he is that gets me to another point uh carol's husband doesn't seem so bad carol i don't know there have been some criticisms of the show that the show was really doing a disservice to everyone by making Carol the villain, which I would argue it doesn't directly do that. But as much as I think Carol isn't nearly as awful a person as Joe Exotic or Doc Antle or Jeff Lowe, I still don't like her. I still think at best she's a horrible egomaniac, but she's not nearly as much of a fucking monster cult leader as these other guys are. Also, yeah. even if she did kill her husband, it kind of sounds like, you know, she was 19, he was 45 when they met. Like, I don't know. I, 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 I'd want more details before convicting her, if you know what I mean. Um, but I don't like her. I still think she's not a great person. So even the people you kind of like on the show, you don't want to get much closer to. And then the people you don't like are awful. Doc Antle is fucking terrifying. That guy is just terrifying. A, he's the fucking goblin from hell, man. He is a cult leader. You can see it in his eyes. He's got a harem of women that he treats like crap. Joe treats his drug uh, drug abusers like crap. And my God, talk about his his obsession with Carol is off the charts. I mean, he's like he's like Trump, just more interesting, you know, uh, less cliche in his behavior. These people are awful people, um, and I'm just I'm tired of that, especially in this day and age when. You know, we have awful people running the government. We have awful people infiltrating social media and ruining everything for everyone else. And even now, even now in the midst of this crisis, 
oh, I'm, I'm going to cough on the on the produce because I'm an American and I do what I want. And, and these churches who insist they should be above the law because they have God on their side. By the way, I love it how they say, well, you need us to get together in church because we're going to pray and that will help stop the coronavirus. Well, all your prayers about gun violence didn't do much. So I hope you pray harder when it comes to coronavirus than you did for gun violence. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't want, I don't want to mess around with shitty people right now. I want to mess around with good people. I want to talk to, I want to talk about the nurses and the doctors. I want to, I want to just talk to my friends, you know? I want to talk to scientists. I want, I want to talk to people who build things. I want to talk not, to scientists, not, right? Not rip them down. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And fine. Yeah. I mean, a documentary about nurses is not going to be as interesting, I admit, probably. Uh, but, you know, I just, I don't know. And it's funny that I sort of pair this with Ozark. If you don't know about Ozark, it's a Netflix show, the third season just came out and ozark uh, people criticize it because they say it's like breaking bad it is like breaking bad but it's got enough twists that i find it and i love breaking bad and also just the the shit they get into is unbelievable it is one pile of shit they step into after another but you know what ozark is fiction that's the difference it's fiction it's supposed to be a ridiculous story it's the same thing i've talked about in recent weeks like oh an american no virus can stop me that's great for a superhero that's great for a pro wrestler. It's not the way things work in the real world. And human beings separate between fiction and reality. And in reality, I don't want anything to do with Joe Exotic. But in fiction, fine. Tell me a story about awful people laundering money for a Mexican drug cartel and killing each other behind, behind each other's backs. Fine. It's a story. That I can find enjoyable. I can't find it enjoyable these days when it's real. And mm, uh, especially yeah. since, you know, you, you turn... We'll, we'll get to this, but like how the ways some of these people are bad are really correspond very directly to the ways, you know, the people in charge are bad or the people I mentioned are bad, people who infiltrate social media. And that's led us to where we are. So, but we'll, we'll get into that more. Yeah, you know, I, I had a couple of, I watched the whole thing. I watched all seven. Once I started, uh, I, I kind of took it like it was my uh, drudgerous uh, responsibility to finish this fucking thing. Mostly because I, I did want to be. Aware oh, I'm of probably going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. It's just I, I found yeah. it really hard to keep going. But there was I, I did not flag in my determination. It's just I did not enjoy watching this um, for a couple. You know, for a couple of reasons. Yes, more to the point, like you say, it's watching bad people and spending time in the company of humans, men, white men, who are bad, bad people. Um, the kind of which, yes, we have so many of. They're already superfluous and, and numerous in our lives. And, you know, we're trying to cut down on these type of bad, bad men. Um, you know, these maniacs. Who just, he's a who bad, just, bad man, Billy. He's a bad, bad He's bad a bad man, man, Billy. He's a bad man, Billy. Um, I thought on a, on a technical level, in terms of watching a piece of filmed entertainment, especially a documentary, this was it both... Um, cribbed a lot of bad behavior and bad habits from other pop documentaries and it did a bunch of new ones new things on its own I think that this was heavily influenced obviously because Netflix produced this which means you know they were eminently responsible for the shape of what it became because they asked for it and they gave it a, a container Netflix loves to do a season of television Netflix buys plenty of you know standalone movies and things like that but they have this space that was, um, I think, pioneered for them, at least, by making a murderer, however many years back that was, four years ago, uh, three years ago. Yeah. And um, this, they thought, okay, we got it again. We got the pop doc. We have the almost 10-episode type run. And 
you know, the, these people had shot this thing for five years the same way the guys who shot. No, I don't think they were women. I think they're women who shot making a murder. Either way, um, I don't remember. I got the impression from watching this that you know when when you when you usually shoot a doc, you use I think one tenth of the footage that you shot. I feel like they used 80% of what they got because this was so bloated. This was so long. Seven episodes almost never serves, unless you're Errol Morris or somebody like that, seven episodes never really serves uh, a documentary. Everything is always better if it's cut down. This, in its perfect apex form, should have been, I'd say, a two-hour movie. It would have been perfectly fine, but seven episodes was, like, excessive, and it was almost trumpeting how... um, noisy and and overfilled it was like you said all the the idea of going for a 55 minute episode with a cliffhanger at the end doing that six times to finally put you there just wasn't enough cliffhangers to make it sort of sensical that you know you're going from one thing to the other um a a lot of the stuff was built up it was overbuilt up and this would have been so much more better would have been better served as a two-hour movie I think that the the rapper is a problem. We can't get away from that because this is what Netflix is doing. Netflix has now profited twice on a giant national spectacle from having a gigantic pop doc. So it's here to stay. And this is now something that's made them a lot of money and keeps Netflix relevant in the programming grid amongst all the other distractions. Um, This is now something they're going to double down on because they know what to do. But yes, the idea that sitting with Doc Antle, sitting with Joe Schreivogel, they're terrible people. And yeah, it, they're it awful. Just, they are awful. It, they're awful. It just feels like I, you, I wanted to wash my hands, not because I went out in the world and touched <laughs> door handles, but just because I felt like I spent so much time peering into these terrible people who, who showed you way more about them than they could possibly understand. They just were not yeah. aware. As, as all terrible people in documentaries, all they want to do is talk to a camera. And when the, do- when the documentarians... You know, when they build a rapport with you and they chill you out, you will say whatever it is that you want to say without any idea, without any irony or understanding, any comprehension of what it sounds like to a rational person. Because you have, you know, you've transcended rationality a long time ago. And that's who these guys are. You know, and I think it just comes down to putting a mouthpiece in front of these vile people and letting them hang themselves. But you still have to watch it. You still have to sit there and see the wages of all the people who were hurt and all the animals who were hurt along the way. I mean, yeah. it's not fair that they were, these guys, they won. I mean, even if Joe's in jail, he's almost, he's 62 years old or whatever. It's like he won. He lived his entire life. It's yeah. like Harvey, Harvey Weinstein won. Roger yeah. Ailes won. They all fucking yeah. won. They're, they well, I, what, what, what I thought that was funny is Rick Kirkham makes the point. He's like, oh my God, all Joe wanted was to be famous. You know, he was trying to get him a reality show on Discovery Channel or whatever. And I was thinking, well, now Joe's famous. Joe is currently the biggest star on TV. So even though he's in jail, and by the way, has coronavirus, he's got to be a little happier now than he was a month ago. Because now he's the name on everyone's lips. And it sounds like that was one of his primary goals. You know, he's he's going to be in jail for the rest of his life. At least he's famous now, although that might get him stabbed in the shower. Who knows? But there's no irony to the reason why that would be. You know, like the method by which he's famous is completely... It's vile, and none of us would want it. But it's like Joe. Joe wins. Joe gets something yeah. without understanding that you know he's he's a terrible, he's a joke at best, and a vile villain at worst. But to him, it's like, what difference does that make? Like, what right. what did Jeff Lowe care? Jeff Lowe gets up there with this fucking little jagoff 
you know, chin beard and his fucking bandanas <laughs> under his baseball cap and his yeah, torn and the jeep. Oakley hat at all times. Like, the what Oakley is hat. That look. What the fuck is that look? It's like he is. is he just Oakley looks, paying you, or are you just a tool? Like he, he's just a tool. He's a tool that we, he doesn't think we're going to notice the fact that he's got no chin and his neck connects right to his fucking bottom lip because he wears a little yeah. donut of gray hair trimmed back. And I'm like, oh, you have such a yeah. strong jawline, Jeff Lowe. You're such a hero. Look at you. But he. And he drives a Ferrari and he has a private jet. And then you learn he's just, it's all debt. It's all debt. He's in arrears. Up Fucking to his phonies. asshole. Fucking phonies. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Joe Exotic and this is Sarge. He was like a mythical character living out in the middle of bumfuck Oklahoma who owned 1,200 tigers and lions and bears and shit. Come here, love me. <laughs> Matt Spoken, good looking, love to party and have fun. I don't think we're done blowing shit up today. We've hinted at it a little, but why? Why has Tiger King mania become the second most talked about disease plaguing the United States at the moment. <laughs> it's number two. It's coming up fast. Behind cardiovascular disease. Well, I'm not going <laughs> to no, say... No, that cardiovascular slipped down to eight now that no one's going outside. That's true. Um, I, I yeah. think... It's, I'm not going to say... Look, it's obvious that everyone's inside. They're captive, looking for a distraction, blah, blah, blah. I'm wiping off the table. We all know that. Um, I'm going to go back to old fashioned, as, as if we were just watching this in the regular, in the before times when there was law and order and, and safety and humanity and dignity. This is lurid. This is weird. It's got, and and he, I think this is, um, you know, we we kind of didn't we 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 brushed on this so far, but this has every form of white trash you can possibly imagine. The vast <laughs> panoply, and I don't use the term white trash um, incharitably in this case. I think that. You know, this is what they designed this to be, was saying, look at these um, methed out toothless yokels who have the shitty tattoos and, you know, they all shop at Walmart and they're running around Arkansas firing or Oklahoma firing guns into trees, blowing up dummies and whatnot. It's (laughs) still relatively safe to poke fun at poor, uneducated, um, frequently post-carceral white people. Well. It's safe, except when Republicans convince them that the world is laughing at you and you need to have revenge on them by electing a screaming maniac president. That's why it's not safe, dude, because that's why they voted for him, because they hate you. And when they criticize Donald Trump, they're criticizing you and you should be mad and butthurt and all that. But nonetheless, this still happens. Like, this is still a fairly safe thing to do. And I would say that a lot of times the people who are in the show steer into it. Now, I'm not saying anybody should try to be somebody different on camera or they shouldn't try to be on camera being themselves, representing what it really is like to be themselves. But I think that there's this pride that, and I'm sure you will back me up here, the whole idea that we are all a nation of kid rocks blowing up sex dolls tied to trees with with whatever that explosive is, shooting shotguns into a lake or AK-47s. It's pride. Like, I I wear this whole thing. I am trying to be weird. I am trying to be outre. This is my peacocking. I, we are. Yeah, I didn't go to school. Yeah, I was in jail. Yeah, I, you know, I, I fire up meth off of a, a crinkled up piece of tin foil in a, in a trailer. Yeah. yeah, I do all these things. This is my life. This is who we are. You know, it's not like we're ashamed of it. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm taking the voice of the people who are in this thing. Like, I didn't get the impression the way the edit went that anybody was at all bashful about the way they lived. It was given to us 
the you know the 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 elites who live on if you consider the north the north sea coast the, the 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 three coasts that we come from and you know like it's we get to look down on them and say look at these these bedraggled people these 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 misbegotten uh uh you know malnourished undereducated you know christian trumpers these these republicans these are the people who I actually heard this here in the Netherlands. Somebody said, we, there's a thing. Somebody said, well, we kind of think you're all like that. You know, yeah. as well, if, that is, apparently that's a stereotype. So, I mean, this is, this is popular because it has all of these things that are, it, it you know, they're coming to us with the, the biggest versions of themselves and we're going to them wanting to see that. And so it winds up creating this gigantic, you know, Jesus uh, either, what is it there but for the grace of god go i yeah or yeah. or just like yeah play it up keep blowing up trees keep doing all this shit wear more baseball caps get more tattoos of gunshots on your chest keep talking about this woman on your little crappy videos do the most weird things you can imagine you know um be horrible because we want to see more of it um you know and then we can we could get to the fact that it's got murder and it's got tigers which is just but the only things that are missing from that in the first place, right, is is the idea that, oh, well, I had a chance to go to a petting zoo where I could have gambled with, like, little Siberian tiger cubs. And it's like, well, who wouldn't want to pet a fucking, you know, chimpanzee at their birthday party? And, you know, husband, <laughs> husband's getting off and either put into a meat grinder or, or thrown out of a helicopter over the Gulf of Mexico and or fed, fed to the lions. Fed, fed to, to the, the lions. lions, too, yeah. I believe is what happened. All this yeah. weird shit. Yeah, I think you're right. Look, it's the freak show, and that has had appeal since time immemorial. I mean, the Middle Ages, it was, you know, the hunchbacks, and then they, up to the 1800s, it was the elephant man. And then the modern freak show of the 80s and 90s was Geraldo and Jerry Springer, right, which is the immediate precursor to this. I mean, Jerry Springer was always the white trash couple. They dig him out there. You know, he's an asshole. She's a moron. They start slap fighting, and, and everyone in the big cities laughs. And you know what? Everyone in the small cities laughs. Everyone who looks like those people laugh. And yes, you go behind the scenes, and the couple was playing it up. I mean, this probably happens in reality. I don't watch most of these reality shows. Like, I never watched, uh, what was the Honey Boo Boo show? What was it called? Toddlers and Tiaras? Yeah, something but, like that. But, you know, the story behind the scenes of all those shows is that, you know, these people aren't quite as scummy as they're made out to be. They're playing it up for the cameras, right? Yeah. Um, so that's always had an appeal and in some form probably always will. Um, yeah, I think part of the reason it's popular is something had to become a huge sensation right now. I mean, you know, in normal times, quote unquote normal, there's always a sensation, but especially now that we're all locked up and A, we have more time to watch stuff, at least those of us without kids, and uh, that we're looking distraction, we're seeking distraction more than ever. Something would be the huge sensation now. So you could say a right place, right time kind of thing. Um, but, you know, I think this really, we, we've, we've gotten at this speaks to our time and speaks at to how we got here. You you sent me that article from The Guardian. Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting and actually said it loved the show. I mean, I, I do think the twists and turns are, are very, you know, definitely appealing. And, and you as the filmmaker see this as more... Um, you know, see how some of these techniques are a little hackneyed, but hey, they work. They work. So on a, a film layman like me, you know, it fucking gets the job done, and that's that's why it's popular. But The Guardian, uh, I'm going to read this paragraph. I think it's worth reading. 
The pathologies on display in Tiger King, the drive for power, the constant need for more, the willingness to remove any obstacle to what you desire, even by using violence, underlie a society that can't take care of its sick or poor, that can't pass regulations that would reduce real suffering. It's all on show. Think about that. And what we watched as entertainment, we will soon watch as horrifying news programs as the deaths from the virus increase and overwhelm our broken healthcare system. So entertainment and real life have blurred. The host of The Celebrity Apprentice is now our leader, quote unquote leader. So this really gets at it, this idea that I'm an American, I'm a white guy or whatever, I can do whatever I want. I can self-actualize. And who cares if it endangers people and endangers their limbs? And who cares if it abuses animals? And who cares if in Joe Schreibvogel, whatever his name is, case, I will go to jail? I mean, I guess it's kind of nice that he actually did go to jail, um, assuming he's guilty of this crime, which I don't know. Is that in question? Is that a mystery? Not to me, no. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it may be subconsciously, but I think people might be drawn to this because it's— this is how we got here. We're a nation of nutcases. And the one thing I give um, Joe Exotic the ounce of credit over Donald Trump is that, you know, I realize this is far low on the list of things that offend me about Trump, but he's so, I find him so cliche and pedestrian. You know, everything about him is, I find uninteresting. You know, his the, the ways he speaks, his his tastes, all that are just very much a sad, limp cliche of a rich guy. At least Joe Exotic is original, right? I mean, he's a shithead, and he's entitled, and he's obsessed with this woman who criticizes him, and, and you know, for all her flaws, I think has reason to call him out. I mean, his obsession with her is, is the neediness is very Trump-like, but he lives his life. He looks the way he wants to look. He marries two men, and you know, is openly gay. I mean, he, he plays music and does a magic show. I mean, he at least is his own person. How straight are you? And he goes, pretty straight. And I said, do you watch porn? He says, yeah. I said, well, do you enjoy the guy with the little one doing her or do you enjoy watching the guy with the big one doing her? And he says, well, obviously you want to watch the guy with the big one. I said, well, you ain't that straight. <laughs> no, would you have liked this series as a kid? Uh, I actually think there's a chance I would like it a little more than I do now. Just because, you know, as I said earlier, I'm kind of sick of all this nonsense. Shitty people doing shitty things and and feeling entitled and getting away with it and all that. I mean, again, Joe went to jail, but Doc Antle's probably still out there, right? Yeah, Jeff um, Lewis, all these guys are. Yeah, so, and and Joe got away with it for a long time. So I, I wasn't as cynical as a young man, and I wouldn't be as sick of all this nonsense, and I could separate myself and laugh at it more and not really see how it represents the, the cancer at the core of our society. So I think I would have more sympathy towards it and be able to laugh and, and, and see it more as an escape. I guess that's my problem. I don't see it as an escape now. Um, and maybe if I were still in my 20s, I would. Yeah, I think that's that's where I land with it, too. If I was more insulated from the horror that bad men like these do to the world, you know, right. Uh, right. around them and around us, it would seem like it was more of a um, 
you know, less of a guidepost of where we are and more like a funhouse mirror into strange people that aren't going to blow back at you. But right. yeah, you know, to, to bring up that Guardian article again, you know, they had a really good quote, which is, or at least the, the nut graph about amateurs and megalomaniacs are the ones who are running our world right now. Yeah. This yeah. is who's, who's in charge. Are frequently the same, not just it's amateur megalomaniacs, people who have no expertise. People, the thing about Joe... I'm, I'm sort of just going all over the grid here, is that Joe had no expertise in, in, in raising tigers. No. It's like he no. made it up as he went along. And, and they, they yeah. got sick. They died. Sometimes they were malnourished. And, and he brought A them, woman you know, got her arm ripped off. A woman got her arm ripped off. Exactly. It was t- like bad, yeah. bad things. Hey, he's a bad man, Billy. He's a bad man. He's a bad man. And, and yeah, I, but I think that the, the entertainment of this would have come through at full strength if I did not have to see the horror because um, yeah. I mean, we watched a lot of documentaries about bad people. I mean, you know, Errol Morris. I, I keep bringing him up. He he made documentaries about Doctor Death, and the fast, cheap, and out of control, and all these weird eccentrics over the years. And I mean, some of them are bad. Some of them are just strange people. But it's like you, you get to look at them from a distance and marvel over. Oh, that's weird. Imagine. Ah, now I saw that. I get to climb back into my rocket and go back to Planet Bill, where these people don't exist, yeah. and and I don't have to live yeah. in the world of them. Um, but I, I do think that this, speaking of liking as a kid, the storytelling beats that I was shitting on before in terms of the, the rapper that it's in, I think that the Netflix long play pop documentary uh, model that they came up with really is designed to play to younger audiences who don't watch a lot of documentaries. Um, in, in a way, this does seem like a film podcast. And and I'm I'm sure that's part of their idea. It's coming out of serial, even though serial was much more um, um, researched and it was a little more diligent in what it did. I mean, there are podcasts that are way deeper than this because they get to have all the time in the world. And, you know, they, they get to do a whole season's worth of fact-checking and research. Not that they didn't do that here, but this is played more like high drama amongst people. So I think this is this does play better storytelling-wise if you are a kid because you don't see the... I think, you know, you watch four episodes and you kind of know where the whole thing was going. I felt that way after one episode where it's like this whole thing is going to be thrashing over a lot of points over and over again. It's going to reuse a lot of the same footage. And I know where it ends. I know that the guy's in jail. I can guess why he's there. And I kind of know his arc already. It's like, why do I need seven episodes to tell me something that I it seems fairly evident from the start? That he's a terrible person and that he hurt people and he got busted. And we're just going to have that point put to us over and over and over again. It's going to make him more human. It's going to give him depth. But it's like, you know, I think what you want is just this gigantic, turbulent miniseries. And that's what they gave you. And it plays, it would play well to teenagers and younger people. Let them roam their land. Then stand back and marvel. What a beautiful Cause I saw Tiger. Is the success of Tiger King in any way a sign of the apocalypse? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. Um, now, ratcheting down from what we just said in terms of the hyperbolic language about how this features terrible people and it gives them a mouthpiece and it's a, it's a show of psychology, I don't think this contributes to it. And it has really, it, it, it's a mirror 
of what's going on and how we got to the thing that we're in today. But I don't think this show contributes to the apocalypse at all. It's a bomb for your household. You know, it's given us all something to kind of dig into the same time. A million thought, uh, uh, you know, uh, opinion pieces on blogs and vulture.com and decider.com. And, you know, everyone has a hot take on, on Facebook and Twitter and all those things. And, you know, there's been no shortage of Joe, of Joe Schreivogel memes. So, no, there's nothing apocalyptic about it. I mean, it's it's a show. And if, if this was six months ago that we were doing this, it would have just been another hot commodity, a hot thing that we watched on Netflix and had an episode about. Um, it really has nothing to do with as horrible as, you know, we're all trapped inside, but this this isn't making that worse. It's not contributing to it. It is merely just a way to pass the time. You know, what do I, it's, it, I called it, it's an entertainment object, you know, a communal bomb to a lot of people. So I'm, I'm not really attributing it to the sign of the apocalypse. I mean, I think you're essentially right. The freak show is very old. I don't know. I think the fact that you know, you said we would just be laughing about this for a few months ago. I don't know. I mean, you and I talk about this a lot. We we talk about things that people are laughing about, but eh, maybe this indicates the seeds of our doom. And I think this does even more so. And now, you know, that we are in this crisis moment, you know, maybe the fact that so many people are just blissfully laughing at it really does show we are not equipped to handle this crisis, this crisis of expertise that we always talk about, right? That it's common yeah. men and yeah. unqualified people in charge. Like, if it's still a fucking joke even now, you know, fine. Maybe once we get rid of Trump, we're going to elect, you know, Honey Boo Boo or someone even less qualified, if that's even possible. Um, you know, that this isn't teaching us anything. I mean, I kind of, the, the, the glass half full uh, sense of my view of this whole you know, the COVID-19 situation is this might finally convince us that we can't fuck around with morons, that we need experts in charge, that we need competence. And maybe the fact that Tiger King's just a big fucking joke to everyone. I mean, if it is, I don't know, I'm not taking a poll, but maybe the fact that if it, if it is proves that we're not learning anything and it's going to be a hundred thousand people dead and our economy trash for a few years for nothing. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that's and that, you know, that's as good a sign of the apocalypse as anything. It's absolutely pathetic. I can't say the N-word, but you can get on YouTube and watch any black man's rap video, and they're calling each other the N-word. What the hell? Is this discrimination? I'm white. I can't say the N-word, and they can't? Noah, tell me, does this inspire feelings of jealousy at all? Yeah, a bit. Uh, you know, I'm not so jealous of, like, the filmmakers or Netflix for, you know, having a hit on their hands, because that's not what it's about for me but you know i'm kind of jealous of people like this uh because they are living in the ignorance is bliss world you know they they live in for the most part at least not yet with any comp without real consequences i mean especially people like this who you know aren't scraping for food uh they live in a world where you can get away with having no morals and no ethics you know, I'm jealous of people who don't have shame. I'm jealous of people who don't feel guilt because they can indulge all their desires and nothing's holding them back. I mean, I wouldn't want to be them. It's bad for your soul because I have ethics. I, I don't want to be that person. But, you know, they can treat animals like shit. They can treat women like shit. They get what they want. They take what they want. And maybe jealousy is the wrong term. I wouldn't want to be them because I know that's wrong and me being, you know, if I went out and took what I wanted, I'd feel too guilty to enjoy it. 
uh, because I would know it's wrong. But they live in a world where they don't know it's wrong. They live in a world where they can indulge all their fantasies. They can roll around with the tigers. They can fuck whoever they want to fuck. They can, you know, scream and yell about the people they don't like and and shoot blow-up dolls labeled with the names of their enemies, which they Joe Exotic s- does to Carol They can steal. They can scheme they and swindle they can, they can, and vagle and connive. Right. They can, they can put all their assets in their mother's name and screw their parents over and not feel guilty about it. You know, I, I, they can indulge their id. And I don't really want to do that. You can't help but feel in certain moments that, you know, to envy that freedom. I mean, look, I, I kind of wouldn't mind being like halfway between where I am now, which is neurotic and plagued with guilt. And, you know, where they are, which is, I mean, they're still neurotic, but like no guilt, right? Like one of the ways I think I've most grown in my adulthood is, is I think I was a very fearful person as a young man and I'm much less now. And that's helped me in business. It's helped me in my social life. I'm less afraid to take risks and take chances. And anytime a young person asks me for advice, my advice is like, take a fucking risk. I mean, look, it's easier for me to say, cause I am, I am not, I don't have the financial issues that too many people have, but like when you can take risks, when you're young, take risks. So don't take every risk because don't take the risks these people take, which is fuck the world, fuck people, fuck animals. But, um, you know, I kind of want a little less of that guilt and a little less of that shame so that I'm more willing to take risks. And I'm more willing to say, ah, fuck it, I'm going to do it because why not? What's the worst that can happen? I want some of that. I don't want as much as these people have because that makes you a terrible person, but I want some of that. So, yeah, I'm jealous. Yeah, all these these guys are all... um creatures of pure id which yeah i think yeah. we both we yeah. both agree and uh, they think it's their they think it's their birthright to be creatures of pure id that's the problem in this country yeah. politicians have told people you're an american you have nothing to apologize for 9-11 was the worst thing that ever happened we're the ultimate victims white people are the victims white men are the victims they have been encouraged to be creatures yeah. of it whatever you want is good and right and proper and patriotic and whatever you don't like e.g black athletes kneeling in front of the flag, transgender people in the bathroom, that is wrong. They have been encouraged. They've been indoctrinated. It's awful. Yeah, no, that's it. Sorry. When I get passionate, I step all over you. I I don't really feel a lot of jealousy here. Unless I I could think of in my previous life as an amateur filmmaker, thinking of stepping into something that looks like you know, it's got some traction. The idea that you're going to sit on this weird guy, run cameras 24 hours a day, build a rapport with him, um, get a lot of footage in the cam. You know, what you can't uh, plan for is when it spirals into some weird Byzantine construction like this, you know, with, with murder and strange unsavory elements. And, you know, you're just like holding on with your fingertips to, to stay on board this story. That's, again, every single documentarian wants this thing to unfold in front of them. And I mean, I was never a documentarian. I don't have any skills like that. But um, that is, uh, you know, that that's a, a once in a lifetime opportunity. These people will never match it again. And again, I don't think that these guys are the most skilled documentarians, but they certainly caught lightning in a jar for sure uh, with this one. So maybe, maybe Again, that's the most I can sort of feel. So to transition to the final segment we like to talk about, it's the Felonian scale. I will ask Noah, where do you think Tiger King fits on the Felonian scale for you? Well, I, you know, I, I don't really think we're grading it based on how awful Joe Exotic and Doc Antle are. 
and Carol Baskin, for that matter. Um, even though she's not as awful, I still think she's a pretty bad person. Um, I think we're we're rating the documentary, right, as yeah. as a yeah. piece of entertainment. And in that sense, look, I, I know you found it a slog. I find it diverting enough. Like I'm not dreading. I'm going to finish it because it's entertaining and interesting. And even though I know the broad strokes of what happens, I'm intrigued enough to see the details. So I I, I find myself saying this is good, not great. And do you know a semi-recent topic that I also described literally with those words? What's that? Do you remember? No, I don't. Cats, the movie Cats. Ah, Cats. Right? Remember, I'm the one person who liked Cats, but I, yeah, but I said yeah. I thought it was good, not great. Sure. But uh, look, this is so different from Cats. I think this is better than Cats. I would see it again and again. No. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to say I loved it. It was better than Cats. Sorry. SNL sketch from the 80s. Uh, I would say this is Cats plus five. I actually came up with something I thought was a perfect fit for me. I, I, I thought it was like Bruno Mars. But this, all right, so the, okay. this, the position... It's Cats this, plus Bruno Mars. I'll say that. Cats, Cats plus, plus Bruno Mars. Mars. How about that? But so you say fit, it's just Bruno Mars. Yeah, yeah. This this fits into the okay. bottom of the top third. I'd say that that, that top uh, percentile. The, the, I, it's, it's slick. It's popular. I think much like Bruno Mars, it's a little devoid. There's, you know, the, the, the there in there is a little missing. It's a little gone. Uh, but enough people like it. It has um, become a sensation that's captivated nation. It does its job fairly well. And it kind of fools you into thinking that you're seeing something greater than what's actually in front of you. And that's that synthetic Bruno Mars experience. And I think that, you know, people aren't going to look back at Tiger King as some gigantic piece of art that moved the no. form. I think it's going Not to happen. It's going to be a diversion that coincided with the uh, viral apocalypse. And it's going to be forgotten pretty fast. I mean, it's perfect fodder for this show. I mean, I'm so glad it was Nick, Nick Nadell, friend of the show suggested to me and i'm like why didn't i think of that it is exactly i mean and not only that i think this is the right time uh like this is still cresting sometimes we talk about things like a week like with baby yoda we talked about it like a week too late but um maybe even two weeks too late but this is really right in the middle of it uh when this hits this episode is going to hit on monday morning it's still people are they had just spent the last week watching it i don't know if they want more of it in their life as discussion but fuck you guys you're gonna get it from us this is just what there is stop kicking stop twitching your legs and just give into it (laughs) all right well done that's it another one in the bag man we fucking killed it this is this is shit this is easy we should do this every week Noah. are you kidding me (laughs) Back to the, how many episodes have we done now? We got to be nearing like one thirty or something. Yeah, right? I think I think it is. It's close to one thirty or so. It's it's definitely yeah. a, definitely a bunch. But uh, speaking yeah. of those episodes, the vast repository of episodes, the, the enormous cache of them. If you'd like to go through the list of past episodes, find something you maybe missed because every single one of them is essential. There's there's a little bit a little bit to the puzzle in all of them. You need to listen to the, every single one to put it together. You can find them on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. You can tweet to us at Noah and Bill Show. You can write to us, Noah and Bill Don't Get It, at gmail.com. You can go on Apple Podcasts, give us a review. That's how people find these things. I am on Twitter, at William Scurry. My video content is on YouTube, youtube.com slash amcaesar. And Noah Tarno will tell you all about his bumping concern right now. It is, it is a good day to be a Tarno, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> okay, thanks, Bill. Uh, well, I'm certainly busy. Uh, so I run the big quiz thing, the Trivia Game Show Spectacular. We do corporate and private trivia events nationwide, and we 
you know, I'm pretty proud of my team. We adjusted pretty fast and got a good virtual format going. We've been doing corporate events, private events. Uh, we did a big, fun public event yesterday. Bill was there, and we're hoping to do more of those in the near future. We raised more than $1,000 for the Robin Hood Relief Fund, which is a great cause in New York City. They are soliciting uh, – they, they basically collect rich people, force them to give money to the neediest people in New York, and they are focused right now on those particularly affected by COVID-19. So, And New York, even though I live in San Francisco, New York's the big quiz thing's hometown, so I always feel a kinship with that. Anyway – uh, but the corporate private events, that's how you give me money. <laughs> so <laughs> go to bigquisting.com, learn all about our virtual trivia events. We're doing live demos every day to show people how it works. People are having a lot of fun, and it's a great way, uh, if you're still lucky enough to be working, it is a great way to keep, get your team together and have a little fun for a couple hours uh, in the midst of this new reality. So bigquisting.com, check it out. Uh, we are also on social medias at Big Quiz Thing, and uh, my own podcast keeps continuing. The Big Quiz Thing's Daily Trivia Dosage every weekday, five, sorry, five minutes, three trivia questions, give or take, uh, every single weekday, thanks to the podcasting production magic of Mr. Bill Scurry. Guys, I would totally suggest um, that the next time, pay attention, because uh, you're all Facebook friends with either one or both of us. The public game is awesome. Like you, it was fun. You had, you had a chance on Saturday. Yeah, we all play together. It's a shitload of fun, and I mean, you guys have heard about this for a while. And you've had, you used to have to be on location to do this. Now you don't. It's just fucking Zoom. This is completely worth it. And come play with us. I mean, everyone here in the the Johns Jung, the Niels Gaskins, the 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 uh, Susie Shermans of the world should play the game. I mean, this Susie it is Sherman. Susie Sherman, exactly. This is yeah. awesome. And come on board, everybody, at the same time. Thank you, Bill. You're so nice. Yep. All right. So until I feed Noah to a tiger <laughs> to collect the insurance money from the big quiz thing payout, we don't get it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2020.